Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, where we analyze, explore, and celebrate the creative journey. My name is Julie Faye Van Walzer, and I am a working artist living outside of Boston. I've been hosting this podcast with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Schubalzer, since 2012. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. So for everyone who's watching on YouTube or listening in their car or while on a run or in their art studio or wherever, we just want to say welcome and let you know that this season we do have the podcast all available both on YouTube and on your favorite podcast streaming app or platform. Um, Mom, I'm going to guess that you pretty much listen to podcasts and you've never actually watched one on YouTube. It's true. Because the whole point of podcasts for me is I'm doing something else at the same time. And I can't do something else at the same time, like brain surgery, if I'm watching it. It is true. but I And I will say that I think a lot of people who watch it on YouTube, they do want, like to watch the people talking, but they also have it on kind of as background a lot of times while they're doing other things. But it turns out that YouTube uh, is an increasingly popular place for people to listen to, stream, do all those other things with videos. I mean, sorry, with podcasts. So I thought that was kind of interesting to know. Uh, Things that are coming up, just so you know, or actually I should say in progress. So right now I'm in the midst of teaching my class, Practical Color for Painters. Um, By the end of this year long, it's all of 2024 class, you will have created a reference book for yourself to use over and over for the rest of your life. And you will truly understand how to use color to get the results you want. You can join the class anytime in 2024. And you're going to find the link to that at ballsordesigns.com. So This is episode 137, and I titled it Beginner, Intermediate, Advanced. And the topic for this podcast really came up because in group coaching, maybe like it's got to be a six months, eight months ago, um, a couple of the ladies started a conversation where they wanted to know, like when a class says this is for beginners, this is for intermediate, or you have to be an advanced student to take this, like what does that mean? And the fact is, I think that it can mean different things to different teachers. But I did think that talking about what makes a beginner, what makes an intermediate, and what makes an advanced artist is an interesting topic. And so I've divided it into three categories, which are technical skills, style, um, and composition. And then I also have an entire section of the podcast that's going to be about, um, basically, again, this is subjective, it's my opinion, but the things that I think a beginner and intermediate and advanced artist can work on to sort of move to whatever the next level is. Okay. What do you think, mom? Shall we dive in? Let's go. Okay. So again, I want to say this is totally subjective. This is my opinion. And that also you could be like, you could have advanced technical skills, but be a beginner when it comes to composition. Uh, you know, you, there are certain things you can have more natural talent or affinity for. So this is all kind of fluid. But generally speaking, in terms of technical skills, I think of a beginner as somebody who has limited technical skills. That doesn't mean none. It just means that you have a, a limited knowledge of fundamental art techniques and principles. You have a very basic understanding of tools and materials. Okay. If you're an intermediate artist, I think you have solid 
technical skills. It means you're proficient in fundamental art techniques and principles. That means that you can understand them, you know how to use them, you're confident in them, and you're also comfortable with a variety of tools and materials. You don't need to be told how to use the tools that you have you know, access to. You understand them and you know how to use them. Um, advanced artists, to me, that's a high level of technical proficiency. In fact, you could even say that there are people who are like masters, meaning they've mastered fundamental techniques and principles. That means that you know these ideas so well, you can teach them. You can, you know, tell other people whether they've hit the technical, you know, points that they need to. So if you're a woodworker, you could, you know, look at a piece of furniture and know basically where it was technically proficient and where it was not, you know, and so you demonstrate exceptional skill and knowledge in whatever your chosen medium is. And that's the same as like being able to walk up to a painting in a museum, in a gallery, at a friend's house and be able to sort of guess the materials, the um, techniques that were used to be able to talk in a very fluent way about what's going on in the artwork. And you consistently produce high quality work across various projects. Now, so that I actually think is an important point about technical mastery, because one of the things that I think happens a lot of times for intermediate and beginning students is that a lot of times things are inconsistent. One work is fabulous. Another work is not great. You know what I mean? And you kind of bounce around. So that's in the technical skills ball. We're going to say beginner limited technical skills, intermediate solid technical skills, and advanced high level technical proficiency. Mom, do you have quibbles well, or additions? I was no, I was just going to say those are not synonyms for good, better, best. Yes, 100%. Whether you're a beginner or an advanced does not necessarily mean you are a better artist or more creative when you're advanced than the medium. So I, yeah. I think we have to be very careful when you're thinking about it. Uh, and also, I think ask when people sign up for a class, I know you're going to get to this, but it really depends on the teacher, the mm -hmm. way the teacher is teaching, what you expect to get out of the class. Um, so I, I think these are all kinds of fuzzy mm -hmm. terms. And also many people who are just beginning hesitate to call themselves anything but beginner, even though they may have been doing this particular kind of art or for you know, five years, they still, they feel they haven't put in the time to somehow move to, to being intermediate. I, I think if you, well, here's where I'm going to quibble with you. I think some people can be beginners for 20 years and I, I think other too. people can but be I, beginners but I think for six months. It's also, there's a fear of saying you're something and then being discovered as a fraud, so, you know, imposter syndrome. So I think it's hard for some people, for some people. Okay, like some I would agree with that. Labeling would... themselves as, right. I'm an artist, as opposed to, I do crafts. You but, know, That's it, fine, right? but I think that's a separate conversation, because I yeah. would say I end up with just as many people who, when you say this is for intermediate students, show up and don't know basics and are definitely beginners, but have no idea that they are. So I would say like, yes, it goes both ways. There are people who I think are more advanced than they realize. And I think there are people who are more, 
beginner than they realize too. So technical skills is actually, I think, a little bit easier to tell where you are because either it's sort of like either you understand, you know, a cornucopia of, let's say, acrylic paint techniques if you're an acrylic artist or you don't, you know, it's not a sort of ish question. Whereas I think when we get into composition and style, it becomes a little bit softer and more questionable. But yes, okay. I 100% agree with you. This is not a like beginners are bad and advanced is good. This is just everybody's in their journey somewhere. And you can be a beginner in some aspects and advanced in others. Like if you put me in an oil painting class, I'm a beginner. I Oil painting is like a whole other world to me. But if you put me in a room with acrylics, then I'm going to say I'm solidly intermediate, you know, getting towards advanced here. And I think that those are just the important things to know, which is everybody should be a beginner because continual learning is important. And I think you should stick with something you love long enough that, and with enough passion that you also become advanced at something. Like those are two opposite ends of the scale that I think are important for people to have, which is have the feeling of being a beginner, of learning something new, of being filled up, but also have the feeling of being advanced at something, really knowing it deeply, understanding it, and being able to be, you know, share that passion that you have with other people. Okay. Okay. So uh, composition. Composition uh, is basically like the arrangement of things in your artwork. Okay, that's all it is. So for a beginner, we would say limited composition understanding. So may struggle with composition and spatial relationships in their artwork, a limited understanding of fundamental composition principles, such as the rule of thirds, balance, contrast, those kinds of things. They tend to place subjects in the center without much consideration for dynamic arrangements. They often have overcrowded or empty spaces. I'm so guilty of this. But anyway, unintentional overcrowding or leaving large empty spaces in the composition. Um, and they often rely on direct references without much modification or personal interpretation. Again, none of these are like your bad. It's a description of, you know, things that you might tend to do if you're a beginner and you're thinking about composition with a beginner's mind. So improved composition is what you have if you're an intermediate artist. So you demonstrate a better understanding and application of composition principles. You're beginning to experiment with the arrangement of elements within the frame, exploring asymmetry and balance. You're starting to pay attention to negative space and its impact on the overall composition. You're introducing elements of visual storytelling through composition choices. And you're considering how the viewer's eye will move through the artwork and guiding their attention, attention strategically. So again, it's like, you got the foundation, now you're starting to fly, right? You understand the basics of how composition is put together, and now you're starting to get creative with it. If you're so advanced. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Go so beginners, there's a sort of random or uh, un unthinking quality to the way you put things together. Right. Where, whereas now when you're moving into intermediate, you're saying that you're more deliberate, more making choices, making uh, changes that convey the, whatever message it is you want to convey through your art more effectively. Is that right? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like if I'm a beginning swimmer, I'm just trying to keep my head above water, man. I don't care how much splash and how much whatever. I'm just trying to float and not sink. If I'm an intermediate swimmer, I'm starting to really think about like, is my arm extending when I'm in the crawl? Am I, you know, okay taking breath here, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm an advanced swimmer, I assume there's stuff I don't even know I'm supposed to be thinking about because I'm a beginner where you're probably doing some kind of timing, some kind of tiny adjustment with your wrist or your foot or something. I mean, again, I don't know. That changes everything. And so I think beginner, intermediate, advanced, and art is similar to that. Like when you're a beginner, you're just you're just trying to figure out how it all goes together. When you're an intermediate, it's kind of the messy middle, right? You're conscious of what it's supposed to be. You have awareness of all these ideas and principles. You're kind of experimenting with what is you in all of this stuff. And then when we get to advanced, right, you have advanced composition skills, which are a mastery of um, composition techniques. You're seamlessly integrating them into the artwork. You have a unique and innovative approach to arranging elements. You're pushing at the boundaries of traditional composition. You're using space intentionally. You're using negative space intentionally to enhance the overall impact of the composition. You're capable of using composition to evoke specific emotions or convey complex narratives. You're achieving conceptual depth in composition with layers of meaning and visual complexity. You're displaying a distinctive personal style that's evident in your composition. So basically now it's like you're swimming with flair. You're taking it. It's kind of like when I watch ice skating, I don't always understand when the judges are talking about it and it and they're talking about like, you know, I see the same triple axle being done by two skaters, but one of them apparently has more flair, more style, more mastery of it, lands in a particularly more graceful way or something more like that. More height, more speed. <laughs> right whatever it is and like i don't understand it but within the sport they can see the difference and i think that's true which is it it's like beginner you're just trying to get a handle on it intermediate you're starting to figure out where you fit into it and advanced it's like you don't have to think about the mechanics of doing it you're just doing it and it's all about expressing your emotions your thoughts the story you want to tell yourself your personal your personality like all those things that's where you're freed from sort of the um the rules in some way because you're there's just such a part they're already in you okay okay i'll accept that thank you um and then I did put a note here that it's important that to just to think about the fact that some artists can excel in composition while still be being beginners in aspects of, you know, other aspects of it. Because I think that composition is one of those things that people can have a knack for it. Some people just sort of get composition and understand it naturally. And they maybe don't have the technical skills to back up things. And that's that's when people say like, oh, you have a good eye. I think that's what they mean. And so it reminds me, so I've probably told this story before, but uh, in, a, in, a, in a previous life, my father was a professional photographer. And when he was in law school, he got interested in photography. And he, so he wanted to take this class with this well-known photography teacher, John Hill. And uh, you had to submit a portfolio of photos to get into the class. And my father had some pretty not great photos but he got accepted into the class and he asked john hill years later i think like why he took him and what he said is you had uh not good technical skills but you had an eye and i can teach you technical skills 
right? And so that when we say somebody has a good eye, it means that they understand composition innately. And what you they need to do is then work with the technical skills so that the technical skills come up to the level of their innate sort of eye. And then, of course, they can develop their eye further. It's kind of like if somebody has innate athletic talent, they just can run, they just can jump, they just can do whatever the skill is that's needed. Okay, so style. So a beginner is in the exploring phase of style. They're experimenting with different styles and mediums to find personal preference. They're often relying on references. They tend to imitate rather than create original work. So now there's 100,000 videos on YouTube, which are all titled Finding Your Style, How I Found My Style in One Easy Step. Finding Your Style, you know, with, with speed, how to easily find your personal style, okay? Because everybody's after this thing called style. But the fact is that I think that style is something that only develops over time and through experimentation. This reminds me a little bit of when I tried to change my handwriting in like eighth grade, and instead of like dots over the eyes, I wanted to do hearts. And then I wanted to change the loops on some of my letters because I saw some girls who did really cute stuff. And it meant that everything I wrote took forever. And then it was like also not natural to me. And that handwriting went out of style so fast because I don't want to be a woman in her 40s who dots her mm -hmm. eyes with hearts. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's like sometimes you try to force a style onto yourself. And the same can be true with the way that you dress. If it's really in to wear like crop tops and big pants, I'm just I'm just not going to be in style right now. And I know that because a crop top and big pants does not look good on my body, right? And so you have to think about that too with style. Like something may be trendy or you may like it, but what actually fits with the way that you work, the studio space that you have, the supplies that are available to you, like all those things help to define your style. So as a beginner, I think that the exploring phase is something that is so exciting, so wonderful. You know, you are just getting to pretend to be everybody. You know, when you find somebody that you like, pretend to be them for a little while, see how that goes. And then, you know, go on to the next person until you've collected a lot of ideas and you can make them your own. So that's into intermediate, which is you're developing your style. So you're beginning to develop a personal style and you may show some consistency in your work, meaning like you may start to have work that hangs together in a particular style, but you also may not. And that's really important to say. Intermediate artists don't necessarily even have to have a style. Um, you are able to create more original and imaginative pieces. So originality is a huge part of style. Trying to be original is really tiring to you and all the people around you. Um, and that's true in all sorts of ways. As they, as, as, uh, they often say, be interesting uh, or, or be interested, not interesting right? If you're trying all the time to be interesting, you're probably really boring. But if you're interested in things, then you actually probably are also interesting. Anyway, uh, but advanced artists, I would expect to have an established style, which basically means that you, they have a distinct and recognizable personal style, and they're capable of expressing complex concepts and emotions through their artwork. That's part of your style. Mom, do you have any style notes? No, but I was thinking back to the clothes and thinking half my wardrobe has to go. I do think that, uh, I mean, I'm wearing skinny jeans today and I'm unapologetic about it. They're sort of back. They never went away. Um, I think 
you have to allow, just like you can dress one way today and another way tomorrow, I think you have to allow that people can have more than one style in their art. And it's still them. It's still authentic. I agree. Uh, and actually, an artist, there'll be artists, the obvious example is Picasso, who try all kinds of different things throughout their working life. And that's part of what makes them fascinating is mm -hmm. they are continuously looking for new ways to express themselves and new techniques and new supplies, new subjects. I agree with a but, which is to say Picasso didn't make one painting in a blue period and one painting oh, in a blue period. I that. Yeah, I, I just say that. that just because you find a style that is you, that you enjoy, that works for you today, you may find that a year from now, you're bored with it. It's too easy for you, or you've gone as far as you think you can go with that, and you're looking for something new. And I think that's where my uh, interest continues. There are like there are plenty of composers or musicians, and you know, one minute they're country singers, and the next thing they're doing pop, and then the next thing they're doing something um, uh, classical or. Uh, you're just surprised and then you say to yourself but why should we be and you know what happens is sometimes audiences don't accept that so audiences would be the people who are looking at your at your artwork because I remember going a while ago to a Bob Dylan show and he didn't want to play any of his old things he only wanted to play his new stuff and the audience was actually fairly negative about it because they wanted to peg him in one particular mode, you know, and they didn't want to have to figure out this new mode. So I think that you have to be able to do stuff that's new, whether or not people are patting you on the back, or maybe that they were patting you on the back for your other, your previous work. And now all of a sudden they want to know what is this new stuff? Why can't you just play the old stuff? Um, so then you have to be ready to have new audiences or new audience responses. This is the old success is the double-edged sword. And I think it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say that I think it's, I am of course always interested when artists change their style. You could argue that Matisse moving from painting into collage out of necessity, of course, like a lot of things changed about his work in that time period. I do think that for all of these artists though, what doesn't change, and I would even say like when you change, I would argue about Bomb Dill, which is sometimes the output changes, but usually the thought process is somewhat similar, that you're chasing after a symbol idea. Like Matisse was always after simplicity. It was something that, you know, he was always after from very early in his career on, right? How to take a visual image and really like simplify, 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 simplify. And I think even Picasso, as he wandered through all his periods, like it remains consistent that he was interested in people, that that is a central focus of his work, you know? And I think that's that's true for artists who move from genre to genre like singers. They may sing about, you know, similar topics or similar ideas, even if it's in a different style. So I think like the thing that's 
always going to be true is that you should create from within rather than from without if possible. I mean, nobody wants to go to financial ruin because they're changing, you know, their mind about something. But I think that as long as you're creating things that are true to you, like that's a big part of what having a style is. It's not that you force something upon yourself. It's that who you are is truly coming out in your work. You're holding the brush the way that you hold the brush. You're painting the subjects that truly interest you. You have a perspective on how you use color or line or anything else, do you know what I mean, as you work. And all of that stuff naturally comes out. I think, you know, you've said to me several times in the past month that you think that I've made a big change or a big, uh, you know, progress in the art that I'm making. And it's funny because I see that the output is significantly better, shall we say, than some stuff that has become before. But I also see the ways in which everything I'm doing is rooted in stuff I've done before, because I'm obviously intimately familiar with my work, I can see how this shape comes out of that. And I figured this out when I worked on that and I passed this painting and I'm like, oh, you know, this is the beginnings of that other thing I worked on now. And that was four years ago. So this I think that's always true about things that people create is that it's rooted in where they've been. Yeah. Uh, who they have been. Uh, so the thing is, the longer you live or the longer you do art, for example, you have more to draw on from that catalog. Yeah. Because you've done more things for a longer time and you've been it's exposed true. to more things and you've met more people and you watch, you know, more television and you've uh, seen more art. So I, I think that that's part of the reason that you can't just sit in your studio and think you're going to develop your style all by yourself. I think you have to constantly expose yourself to things, new influences, so that it gives you more to draw on. Okay. Well, that's a perfect segue into talking about learning goals. Let's talk about learning goals. Thanks. Let's talk about that. So I made a list based on the things that we've talked about in terms of technical skills, composition, and style, okay? Um, and so learning goals for a beginner. And so the basic conceit here is that for a beginning artist, the focus should be on building a foundation and exploring the fundamental aspects of art. So that could be. And this is, um, I think this is a list to think about. Like if you consider yourself a beginner, then this is a list of classes to take, YouTube videos to watch, books to check out from the library, things to consciously explore. Do you know what I mean? Like this is some, a to-do list for you if you want it. Um, so experimentation with materials. That's about exploring how different materials interact with each other. I get a ton of email. What would happen if I mixed X with Y? What would happen if I use this with that? And I have always said to people, just try it because you're going to learn so much from that experimenting rather than asking somebody else their opinion. And this is partly about your style. I may not like to use oil pastel with acrylic paint, but you may be like, I love what happens when you mix oil pastel and acrylic paint. And that becomes a style difference between us, not a right and a wrong. Okay. So explore things, um, explore the basics of color theory, understand the color wheel, primary, secondary, and tertiary colors, experiment with color combinations and how they evoke different emotions. Start with a limited color palette to avoid overwhelm. And as you gain confidence, you can gradually expand and experiment with more colors. I mean, I think every artist, when they begin, wants to use all the crayons in the crayon box. 
you want all the colors. But the truth is, the more that you can master creating with fewer colors, the stronger your basic skills will become. It sounds counterintuitive, but you, you use less to learn more. Um, experiment with different shapes in your composition. Consider both geometric and organic shapes and how they interact with each other. Uh, begin to understand basic composition principles such as balance, symmetry, and asymmetry. Explore how the placement of elements can create a sense of harmony or tension. Embrace the notion that mistakes can lead to interesting outcomes. This is so key. As I say, there are no mistakes, just creative opportunities. So be open to unexpected results and see them as opportunities for creative exploration. You should study the works of other artists, observe their techniques, color choices, and compositions to gain inspiration and insights. So this is dead artists, look it up in books, go to a museum, go to a gallery, alive artists, take a class, watch a YouTube video, stock them on Instagram, check it out on Pinterest, you know, but find out things and write them down. Reflect on your own work. Consider what you enjoy creating, what elements you find most interesting. Use this reflection to guide your future explorations. Um, join art communities, either online or locally, to share your work, receive feedback, connect with other artists. And remember that the beginning stage is about exploration and finding your artistic voice. Enjoy the process of discovery and don't be afraid to take risks and try new things as you embark on your artistic journey. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I think you could spend 20 years in this beginner phase and be very, very happy. You know, mm -hmm. do you have any beginner learning goal tips? Uh, I don't know if it's specifically beginner learning goal tips, but when you were talking, I was thinking of cooking because that's something I know better than making art. And when you said begin with the beginning techniques, I was thinking of some uh, very stringent schools of cooking. They start with teaching you how to crack an egg. You know, it, it's, it is, they want you to build up a technique level up to a basic point before you can even think about actually making food that gets served to people. And so that's part of the beginning thing is that you have to have the confidence that you have the knowledge of just all these basic things and then later when you get to another stage you can change some of these ways you do you maybe you're gonna cr crack an egg in a different way but you have to know how most people have been doing it before you can change it and then the other thing is i feel that uh i don't think I think we're using these labels, beginning, intermediate, advanced, uh, as if they're rigid categories, but they aren't really, you know, part of it no, is they're very fluid, right? Part of it is self-definitional. Part of it is situational. Uh, so, and I think people shouldn't feel that it restricts them. I mean, I think you began this whole podcast with the idea of discussing these things so that people could figure out how to feel that their knowledge and skill in art is advancing. And right. So I think the idea is that you should always be improving, right? Right. Always be improving, always be learning, always be experimenting. Right. That's right. That's what makes it probably both challenging and fascinating to do. 
It is. And I think like, again, this becomes where you can be an expert in one area. Like you could be a materials expert. You could know every art supply, what you do with it, how you use it, how awesome it is. And then when it comes to composition, just be like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because you can have a particular passion or interest in something. So maybe you've listened to this list of things that beginners should know. And you said, well, I, I know everything on there, but I'm not uh, part of an art community, or I, I don't really study the work of other artists. And the answer is like, this is if you want to be perfectly well-rounded, like a little round ball, then you would have sort of all of these different aspects. But, you know, most of us are very lopsided, but I would say it's an opportunity when you hear something that is sort of on the list of things you should know. It's like, okay, I'll take a look at that. I kind of, I often flip through like reels or TikTok videos or something where somebody is like five things I wish I knew before, you know, I had my own house. And it's like, maybe I know four of them, but there's one where I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you had to water the foundation of your house, you know, or whatever else it is that you're supposed to do that I had no idea about. So I think there's you always have to an opportunity. water the foundation of your house. Yeah. Apparently you're supposed to water the foundation of your house. I did not know this, but I think we also live in a very wet climate. So maybe we don't have to, but I've now watched two videos in which people have talked about watering the foundation of their house, but or you go what? to house for many years and never done it. Right. Toward what end are you watering? So there's something about, I mean, honestly, I did not are watch the video. For leaks or something. No, it's not testing for leaks. It's actually, it's the opposite. It's like, it's, it's too dry around the foundation and it causes problems with the foundation if the foundation doesn't get water, which is why I think it's a dry climate issue and not a New England. I'll look into this because you know. I'm intrigued and nonplussed. Right. We also live, both no, live in old Victorian houses. My house, yeah. If, if they were supposed to be watered, I think we would have figured it out long ago. Although it could explain why my house keeps sinking. But anyway, that's a separate issue that uh, I don't want to talk about. Uh, okay, so uh, if you're an intermediate artist, some things that you might want to learn about, right? You might want to explore and experiment with various... Comp oh, sorry. One other thing I just want to say while I'm thinking about it oh, is that uh, as a teacher and as someone who thinks a lot about art education... Um, most of my classes are geared towards beginners, right? Because it's a lot of those foundational skills. What I find very interesting is that, so like my design bootcamp is all foundational composition skills. This uh, practical color for painters class I'm teaching is all foundational skills about color. Um, but what I find interesting is that they're not sexy topics, but they are extremely useful. And it's an interesting question when you go into your own education. The sexy topic is like, I want to make something pretty and it's very result-based. The unsexy topics are the things that give you the underlying musculature, you know, and frame for your work. And it's unsexy because you don't really end up with a thing. You don't really have anything to show for your time and energy, except that you have these skills, right? Which you're sort of building on. So I always think I of it as metaphor is when mm -hmm. you're building a house, remodeling a house, and most of your money goes into <sighs> stuff that doesn't show the foundation, right. the plumbing, the electric, the roof. It's not the pretty stuff on the outside that everybody sees, but you got to do it. It's true. It's true. I would say definitely like 70% of our renovation budget is everything that's underneath and behind the walls that you never see. It is the saddest use of money 
I mean, it's probably the best because listen, the house hasn't fallen over yet. The roof hasn't caved in, but it's such a sad set. Anyway, so, so that's the thing, which is a lot of the classes I teach because that's what I, this is one of those, what I wish I had known at the beginning of my art journey is I wish that these classes that I make for other people had existed for me because this is the stuff that has been the most helpful for me kind of going forward. So just something to think about. Okay. Intermediate. So exploring and experimenting with various composition techniques, such as balance, asymmetry, and focal points, developing a deeper understanding of color theory and experimenting with creating harmonious color palettes. So this could really be thought about creating like personal color palettes. Um, considering how the scale and proportion of elements in your artwork contribute to the overall visual impact, working towards developing a consistent style that reflects your unique voice as an abs as a artist of any kind, uh, reflecting on the meaning and intention behind your work and considering developing an artist statement that articulates your approach. This is sort of be the beginning of, I don't want to say intellectualizing, but it's the beginning of being able to talk about your work in a coherent way as a body of work, as opposed to an individual work of art. Um, reflecting on the meaning and intention behind your work and consider, uh, I already said that, repeating myself, um, studying abstract uh, art movements and traditional art and artists throughout history to gain inspiration and insight into different approaches. And this is, again, just about knowing the history. So um, my my husband is graduating from college soon, and we were talking at breakfast this morning about the kind of job that he wants and what he's interested in. And as part of that, we started to talk because he's interested in working in advertising. And we started to talk about the history of advertising and kind of what we each knew, the stories we'd heard, the campaigns that are famous and all that kind of stuff. And that started a larger conversation that we were having about as when he starts a job hunt in a little while, when he actually graduates, you know, uh, what are, what are some things that he should research and know about? So he's more equipped to enter into the advertising agency because it isn't, you know, everybody who graduates from college in his marketing program is going to know how to, you know, use, do a PowerPoint presentation, how to, you know, do some basic statistics, how to run a marketing report. But so the question is like, what are the things that like from his previous life of having worked 20 years in retail, what are some things that he can bring over? What are some things he can understand about advertising? What are some sort of great stories from the industry or important landmark you know, advertising moments that are important just to know about. And I think that's the same here, which is if you don't know anything about art movements or the artists who came before you, then you need to do that because you need to understand what your place in it is. You need to be able to also steal ideas uh, and techniques from the past because if everybody else already knows it and you think you invented it because you just aren't aware of it, that's going to be awkward. You know, and so I think being aware of your place in the art ecosystem is an important part of being an artist. And that's why in the intermediate level, I think you start to move towards some of those thoughts. It also means you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yes. That's true. Uh, do you have other intermediate thoughts, Mom? Not at this moment, but I'll work on okay. it. Great. I hope you will. So as, if you're an advanced artist, this is about continual learning, right? You want to continue experimenting with innovative techniques and processes. You want to develop your expertise in specialized techniques with your chosen mediums, pushing the boundaries of traditional methods. 
Uh, oftentimes I see on YouTube all the time, like videos that museums and galleries makes with their artists. And one of the things they always emphasize is how that artist is pushing at the boundaries of something or has a revolutionary process of working or their techniques are so unique, like process does matter. Okay. Um, develop a deeper understanding of the conceptual aspects of your work. Consider the underlying themes, narratives, or philosophical ideas you want to convey through your art. This goes back to that kind of intellectual part where you need to be able to voice what your art is about and that those thoughts need to be coming through loud and clear in what you create. Um, reflect on and articulate your artistic philosophy. What drives your creative processes? What uh, messages or emotions do you aim to communicate through your abstract work? This is also information you'll have to have when you apply to shows, galleries, contests, grants, you know, anything, or even just talking to prospective buyers. They want that kind of information. I go to a lot of um, sort of art fan events. And so often when we do like a studio visit or you talk to an artist, one of the things everybody wants to know is what were you thinking when you created this piece? What, why do you create your work? You know, because those are the places people are looking for places of connection. And so that's an air, a place where you can connect with somebody. Um, experiment with large scale works and installations. Consider how the size and placement of your artwork influences the viewer's experience and engagement. Engage in research relevant to your artistic practice. This could involve studying art history, philosophy, or contemporary trends to inform and enrich your work. I think we talked about this, was it last week maybe, where I said there was this painter and she was going to a book club that was all about forests and it was with like scientists and all sorts of creatives. And for her, that's a form of research is just reading about forests because she paints a lot of paintings that are about forests. So like what kind of research can you do that's even outside of necessarily the art world? You know, um, a friend of mine was doing some contemporary prints and she was interested though in studying some research about some architectural details from like a bajillion years ago. She was looking at like early, early, like 12th century stuff because she thought it related to some of the shapes she was using in her contemporary prints. And I think that's interesting. Um, so deepen the use of personal symbols or motifs in your work, creating a symbolic language that is rich in meaning and resonance. I have been asked twice in the last two months about if my little like circles and dashes and stuff mean anything. And I, both times I've had to be like, absolutely they do. It's a personal vocabulary, but people expect you to not just be making random marks, but to have some sort of thought behind it. Um, engage actively with the art community, participate in exist exhibitions, residencies, and collaborative projects to expand your network and gain exposure. I would also say try pouring back into the art community by sharing some of your knowledge in some way. It could be by mentoring somebody, it could be by teaching. Um, participate in critical discourse about abstract art, attend conferences, write articles, or engage in discussions to contribute to the broader conversation within the art world. Uh, and most importantly, in my humble opinion, stay curious and enjoy uh, exploring new ideas, themes, and techniques. The journey of an advanced artist is one of perpetual exploration and discovery. Remember that artistic growth is a lifelong process. Uh, and most advanced artists are those who continually challenge themselves and remain open to new possibilities in their creative journey, which is just what my mother said when she was talking about Picasso, which is uh, people who are the most interesting uh, are those who are continually challenging themselves and reinventing themselves.
Okay. So mom, advanced thoughts? Advanced thoughts. Um, <laughs> advanced advanced thoughts. thoughts by Jack Handy. Exactly. No, I was thinking that one of the, I think one of the exciting parts of when somebody gets total control over their technique and can deliberately create what they want is that they start to then bring other areas of art in to that particular area. So let's say you you are a painter, but so you have some background in sewing and suddenly you're bringing textiles and sewing into your work. Uh, I think that's where you start to become this freeform person who can riff, who can uh, uh, bring two, three, four different worlds of art making together. And I think that's a pretty exciting way to be. And it, it happens, I think, once you feel that you are completely in control of the sort of basic things in this particular medium that you're working in. Uh, one of the things that I am uh, always fascinated by is when a two-dimensional piece of art has three-dimensional qualities, has yummy texture, has surface design, uh, brings together something that I hadn't anticipated. I mean, the most basic thing is like this thing of bringing in a printed, you know, printed pages or words, combining words with uh, pictures. It starts to always, I can't not read things when I see them. I'm the person who drives down the highway and literally I'm sitting there and you don't know it, but I'm reading every sign that I go by. I can't stop myself from doing it because words just speak to me. Uh, I think that's where the compelling uh, work to me starts really getting uh, my attention. Yeah, I think that everybody has and that's you you listening out there you watching out there like you have certain things that you like there's no point in being apologetic for it because you like what you like and you don't like what you don't like even if everybody else likes it so you have to think about what it is that you like and how to make it the best that it can be so a good example of that is i like busy I like things that are busy. Busy is not everybody's cup of tea, but I like things that are busy. I like visually staring at things that are busy. I like making things that are busy. So the journey that I am currently on is thinking about how to make things that are busy so that I like them, but also really understandable to other people, which is not a kind of pandering, but it's a kind of how can I make this the best kind of busy? How can I make this a busy that communicates what I want it to? Because I don't necessarily always want busy to read as frantic. Sometimes to me, busy is very calm. To other people, it's not necessarily. So it's like the difference between what is a level of noise that makes you crazy versus a level of noise that's white noise that lulls you to sleep, right? Some people- and versus another, another level of mm -hmm. noise that just makes you want to dance. Right. And sometimes some of that is circumstance, right? <laughs> or like uh, what the situation is. 2 a.m. with a crying baby, turn the dance music off. 
Uh, but you know, actually, I might have turned it on. You don't know how many <laughs> how many hours you and I danced when you were little. Must be why I like the Bee Gees so much. Uh, so what I was going to say, just to sort of wrap us up here is that the reason why I really wanted to create this podcast to talk about this beginner intermediate advanced is to offer you some help, some guidance, some ideas about how you can get better at art, depending where you are. Also how you can think about choosing a class that might fit you based on the skills that you have and the skills that you need to get whatever they may be. Um, and I also want to say this, which is, I think always think it's interesting because we don't require coaches to be able to do what the players do, right? I'm not expecting Bill Belichick to put on his helmet and pads and go out and, you know, throw a football down the field. Um, and he's considered a great football coach. So I do think that sometimes you need to look for an artist who's a good coach, a good teacher, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you want to make their art. You know what I mean? And I think like that's an important thing to establish for yourself when you go into a class. Do you want to come out of the class with the project that the instructor made? Or do you believe that the instructor can coach you to be the best at your position? whatever your position is. And I think we're all different. Some people want to make a project just like the teacher. Other people want to make their own project in their own way, but with the best of their kind of skills, abilities, all that kind of stuff. So just something to think about. If you find a teacher who really is a good teacher, I would say take everything they teach. I do and that. On other, and on the other hand, if you find that this person isn't reaching you, even though they may be famous, well-known, applauded, then that's not a good class for you. Yeah, I agree. I do that. There are a couple teachers that I can think of who I have just run the table on, like, whenever they offer a class, I'm there. Whenever I think about, you know, what they have to offer, I'm there. When their newsletter comes in my inbox, I'm there. You know, there are the people who I just think are so smart, so thoughtful, so, uh, I was going to say interesting, but I won't. So fascinating to me. Uh, okay, so if you are so fascinated as well by both me and mom, then you're going to want to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you should also check out the monthly membership I offer at ballsresigns.com. Membership offers a diverse array of classes, tutorials, vlogs, and art inspiration. And then, of course, I do want to mention my uh, classes, Practical Color for Painters and Design Bootcamp, both coming up soon. Uh, we're in the middle of Practical Color for Painters. Design Bootcamp starts in in March. I do also have two in-person classes this year that you can check out and all of that you can find at juliebalzer.com. So you can uh, find me there or all over social media as Balzer Designs. Uh, I really hope you'll sign up for the weekly newsletter. It's free. It comes in your inbox on Fridays and that's the best way to make sure you keep up on the latest news, get all the coupons, the discounts, the fun uh, news of what's happening. There's a big button on the homepage of juliebalzer.com where you can do that or you can go to the show page for this podcast to find the link. And if you'd like to help the show and we really hope that you would, uh, you can leave a review, you can mention us on social media, you can tell a friend, all of those things help other people find the show. So from mom and from me, thank you so much for listening and subscribing. And we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. So long.